Hello, welcome to the Dark Pacific Northwest podcast with me, Rebecca. This is my first episode. I don't really know what I'm doing. (laughs) I have my notes app open with all the information that I am going to talk about in this episode. Um, I just want to start off by saying thanks for listening. I'm really nervous. (laughs) I don't know if you can tell, but um, I guess we'll just get right into it. The first episode, I'm going to be doing several parts to this because it's quite long and there's just so much information to talk about. But this first little series is going to be about the Community Chapel and Bible Training Center from Burien, Washington, which is where I grew up. Now, my mom brought this up to me quite a while ago, and I had forgotten about it until recently. Um, I think we were just driving around, and we had passed the place where this church was built, and my mom just passively was like, oh yeah, that's the cult that her stepfather was in. Yeah, she just said that in passing, and I was like, okay, we're just like not gonna unpack that situation. So she has sent me the information about it, and what she had seen, and what it was like back then when she first like learned about it and stuff. I've asked her to interview for the podcast and talk about her experience. She hasn't said yes yet. I think she's very nervous and it is kind of a personal matter. So I don't know how she will feel about sharing the whole story. She might have to like reword some things and figure stuff out, but I really want to try to get her on to talk about it because it's it's a little bit crazy. So I thought I would just run through like the quickest history about the Community Chapel and Bible Training Center. And then in upcoming episodes, we will go through things separately. Like um, a lot of members have their own blogs where they talked about their experience. I'd like to go through each of those. We'll talk about the location because there is a chapel that is now being used as something else. And you can still go to it in Burien. Um, I'll talk about, you know, the allegations and all of that in depth in separate episodes. So right now I'll just give you the uh, the little basically Wikipedia overview. Um, I picked from a couple of different sources for just this quick little rundown. So... Starting off, obviously it's called the Community Chapel and Bible Training Center. It was founded in Burien, Washington, and it was around from 1967 to 1988, which doesn't seem like that long, but all of the things that happened, I don't know. So it started as a Bible study group by a man called Donald Barnett with his wife, Barbara, and then a friend, Keith Gunn, with his wife, Joanne. And 
I believe they met at some type of church situation. Someone invited someone else to their church and they became friends and shared the same beliefs. So they started the Bible study. And so they were considered a Pentecostal church. Donald had already had two years of Pentecostal study from a college in Boise, Idaho. And then they created the community chapel uh, in their basement, I believe in Keith's basement. In 1969, uh, they all sold their like possessions, mortgages on their house, all of that, just so that they could buy land to form this church on because the members were growing. The basements were getting really full of people and they needed a real church to go to. Uh, they ended up getting 36 acres of land. Uh, this would include the church, which some, like, some references call it a sanctuary. Uh, I'm not sure if they themselves call it a sanctuary or the news just is just calling it that. It had a recording studio. Um, I know they made music, so I'm sure that's what that was used for. A printing press. I did find some images of like brochures and things like that. I'm not sure what else they used the printing press for. And full security. So they they really had it all. The pastor... I've, I've seen conflicting information. So some say there's only one pastor, and that would be Donald. I'm not sure what the difference is between a pastor and a priest, because it references other priests, but says there's only one pastor, Donald. So I'm not sure how that works. If you know anything about pastors and priests, let me know. But this Pastor Donald... We will talk about more of this later, but he has another church in Renton as well. This other church um, is completely separate from this chapel. Um, the chapel had, I believe they had one in Tacoma as well under like the chapel name, but this Renton church is completely different. We'll talk about it later. So services at the beginning were normal. Well, I say normal. Normal is in quotes. Normal for Pentecostal type things like speaking in tongues. I'm sure you've seen that portrayed in movies, on TV. You can literally just Google it and there are thousands of videos of people in large churches usually sweating quite a bit. I don't know if there's just like no air conditioning in these churches, but they're screaming yelling, crying, singing, the demons are being possessed, all kinds of crazy things. It's a, a little bit terrifying, if I'm being honest. So those were the the quote-unquote normal things that were happening at this church. In 1979, their prophecies or their rules, I would say, were rewritten and only four members, of course, including Donald, would be the only ones who could make decisions. And at this point, people were starting to notice that it was taking a turn from, like, a community chapel, which it was named, to more of a... I would call it a cult, but they say authoritarian turn. So Donald implemented something called Operation Rescue where you were encouraged 
to uh, basically snitch on your friends and family, whoever was in the church. And if they were doing something against the rules or whatever, you had an obligation to tell on them. You know, it sounds a lot like Scientology, um, things like that. It's just a, a slippery slope into nothing good. So after that was implemented, then a dress code was added, then dietary restrictions. Then he started banning specific books and bookstores. And if you were against any of the rules or you were just rebellious against any of this in any sort of way, then you were considered possessed by a demon. So things are getting a little spicy in 1979. Okay, so then by 1983, Donald said he was taken to heaven in spirit. He didn't die. He was just taken, his spirit was taken to heaven, where God told him that everyone needed to find a partner to intimately dance with. This practice, I guess I'll call it a practice, this practice was then known as spiritual connections, and it tore families apart. I'm telling you, it just completely ruined relationships. So the, the quick gist of it was you'd go to church, you'd find a quote-unquote dance partner, stare into each other's eyes where you were, if it was the right partner, you were able to see Jesus in their eyes, in that other person. So then you spend time with that person in and out of church. And this is even if you're in a relationship, you could be married with six children, happily married. You could be in any type of relationship or not in a relationship at all, and you would still have to partake in these things. I read an article where someone said, imagine being a mother of six children and you're watching your husband, like, be intimate with someone much younger and what you think is prettier than you. And that's kind of what the vibes were like. So when this was happening... It, the the situation was supposed to be that God was apparently breaking down your barriers so that the church could be unified. Everyone could be living in unity. I don't know how that makes any sense, literally at all. But, you know, that's a cult for you. So, turns out, basically, Donald, the main man, would like to watch you become intimate with this new person. So whether that means just dancing or kissing or literally whatever, you could become sexually intimate with these people. Um, he said he wasn't watching. Jesus was watching through him. Basically something about his flesh body doesn't matter. I don't know. He's obviously weird. So just three years later, in 1986, the Christian Research Institute issued a statement about the chapel church, and they just label it a cult. Straight up, they were like, um, 
occult things are happening here. It's a little weird. In April that same year, 86, Carol Gabrielson filed a complaint for damages against Donald, a pastor named Jack, and the Tacoma Satellite Branch of the chapel, and also the Burian Chapel. The complaint alleged sexual misconduct from Pastor Jack and, like, sexual conduct, I'm assuming, with the with the spiritual connections, dancing kind of situation. So Carol gave details about the misconduct that she witnessed, and by October she was awarded a large sum of money by Pierce County. So they found her story to be true, I guess, and they settled it. More people filed civil suits against the church for assault, battery ministral malpractice, negligent counseling, and, like, I'm serious, the list goes on about things that people are suing for. Two years later, 1988, almost no one was a part of this church anymore. Like, I'm talking everybody left because no one wants to be associated with this kind of, like, terrible press. And, uh... A lot of the elders left. In March of 88, um, the remaining elders sought to dissolve the church. So you have to, you know, like submit paperwork that says like this church is no longer going to be a thing. And Donald was having none of that. He was having none of that. Him and these elders fought each other. He like countersued them to not dissolve the church. And I believe he won. So then, after all of that, the elders were like, okay, he won't let us dissolve the church, so we're just going to kick him out. We're just going to exile him like he's done. So they kick him out. And that's when he runs to Renton and starts the, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Agape Church in Renton. Um, he was, the only information that I found so far about him and that church, is that he was still preaching there at, um, in 1996, but I haven't seen anything recently, but I believe the church is still there. Um, I also want to mention that there was a death linked to this church and the people in the church. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that and then in another episode I'll go in depth. So, in March of 86, a parishioner of the chapel, so just someone who goes to this church and is a part of the church, drove her and her child to a motel in Portland, Oregon, and she proceeded to drown her child in the motel bathtub to, I read, to save her from the demons, but I'm not sure if she's referring to her child from the demons or herself from the demons. But uh, in April of that year, she was committed by a judge to Shepherd and Enoch Pratt Psychiatric Hospital in Maryland. Maybe she was from Maryland. I'm not sure why they would send her all the way over there, but that was something that the judge found was like 
linked to the church because she's going there. She's believing the things they're saying to her. And she was so moved by the church to go and commit this crime. So there were about 60 separate cases of failure to report child molestation within the church as well. Um, It says about 60, so could be more, could be less. That is just the the quickie rundown of this place and a little bit of what went on. Obviously, each person there that went has a full story about how it affected them and their family. My mother has one, obviously. So each person's experience was, I think, very different, but obviously all connected. I think it did start out to be a very innocent... We all believe in one thing and we want to share that with people. And it took a dark turn. So I will try my best to talk about things with the utmost respect to the people who these things affected. You know, the information can be a little hard to read sometimes. Viewer discretion is advised, of course. I'm really excited to start sharing these things with you because I feel like no one knows that this place existed unless you're maybe my parents' age and older because it happened in the 70s and the 80s. So I'd like to share with my generation and the younger generation about something that is literally like right at our back door I was posting a little bit about it on Instagram and a friend messaged me and was like trying to learn a little bit more so I was like oh I'm having a hard time like figuring out where they built the first chapel or sanctuary whatever they would call it and so she was like okay like send me some pictures because they have like an aerial view of the land that they purchased with the church on it and the quality isn't very good but I sent it over to her and she was like oh my god I'm pretty sure that's right down the street from my house and I was like you've got to be kidding me like if you hadn't messaged me and told me this I would be so lost like it is literally right down the street from her house you can google the pictures um it's now used as a is it used as like a police training headquarters or something like that but it looks exactly the same i'm not kidding if you look at pictures from the 70s and then pictures now of the inside it it's basically exactly the same and the building is really cool looking from the outside obviously it has like 60s and 70s architectural vibes which i love So I'm thinking I'll probably go and visit it just to check it out. Um, I will say that my mother has said that my father has worked in that building before. And I had no freaking idea. She's just hiding all of these crazy things from me. And she just talks about them like they're so nonchalant. Like nothing is wrong. (laughs) But... I don't know, that's... I have a lot of thoughts. 
I'm going to continue to do my research about this church, this chapel, this Bible training center. Um, obviously, we have to really delve into this man, Donald Barnett, because he's got some issues going on. And I don't think he's really been held accountable for much since he was able to open another church literally like less than 10 miles away from this one. So I hope you enjoyed this quick little first episode. I will, I'm not sure what my upload schedule is going to be like because it takes quite a bit to research everything, make sure information is accurate, and then writing like a little script about it. I also am not sure if my mother will be interviewing. It's something that I really hope she will do, and I think it would add a lot to hear someone's not so much first person account of the situation, but someone who was able to see like the news going on about it. It happened in kind of her family, you know, it's hard to explain, but fingers crossed, I'll get her on here and she'll spill everything that she knows about this thing. I will talk to you very soon. I'm sorry in advance if this was like all over the place. I'm still nervous. I feel like I'm rattling on, but as the episodes go, I'll get more used to it and I'll get into a flow. Things things will get better, okay? I promise. Thanks for listening. I'll see you later. Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Don't fall for cults, okay? All right, bye.